0: The last campfire. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We teach pigs the value of a healthy diet in order to find out here on Broke and Gaming.
1: Welcome, absolutely everyone, to Broke and Gaming. I'm your host, Shay. And I'm your
0: other host, Dan, and I'm actually thrown that (laughs) Shay's just a host today. Okay, great. Yeah, what a a couple of weeks we've had. I want to start really quick just by saying, what the fuck, Square Enix? You're just gonna drop a trailer for Kingdom Hearts 4 out of nowhere.
1: I mean, especially with how poorly Kingdom Hearts 3 was received, like, you better fucking knock it out of the park with this one, or... I don't know. There may... I didn't... I didn't watch it, so...
0: Oh, it's got like, um sora in the real world kind of thing like
1: oh boy okay so they're not saving the franchise with this one
0: i don't know because i was saying to somebody else like it's almost the mario odyssey thing where it's like but what if they were real so like the new donk city or whatever level oh boy in odyssey like i think it, yeah. it feels like that he's just in a modern city fighting a huge ass heartless but then I think the other part, and it's in Japanese, so I'm not 100% positive. Uh, Donald and Goofy are just walking around. and I think Hades is behind them or something. Which, boy, I hope they get a different voice actor than James Woods this time around. <laughs> For the American version, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's It's the 25th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts coming up. So, 20th? 25th. No, it's the 20th shit fuck it doesn't matter it's an anniversary (laughs) yeah but like this dropped so much sooner i mean we probably have a couple years left on the development cycle maybe a year or two until it actually comes out but yeah i didn't expect this at all but enough about that already what have you been playing recently shay
1: well dan i have been playing not, not a whole lot Last episode, I had a whole slew of games. This episode, I have like one or two, and they're both mobile games. Uh, The one is called Spaceland. Um, It's like a tactical, turn-based, what genre it falls in. And It's just like an action tactics game. I guess like um, Fire Emblem.
0: That's what I figured, yeah. Okay, cool.
1: It's got terrible characters and the flimsiest of stories as you might expect in a mobile game, but it's, the tactics aspect of it is fun, so there's that. The other game that I've been playing is called Ice Hockey League, and it is essentially a clone of Super Blood Hockey, but without any blood, so there's that. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Like, so just, just that old NES-SNES style hockey game?
1: yep clunky controls or clunky handling i should say not not controls controls are mega easy just like super blood hockey i mean honestly like the player sprites look exactly the same as super blood hockey oh weird so much so that i like actually looked up to see if the developer was the same and it's not but i can't imagine that those assets were hard to replicate no there is no donald trump character though
0: thank fuck for that right Um, and
1: it's not based out of a prison But yeah, it's like impossible to score. AI is very stupid. And it's just kind of fun. It's a fun way to pass time.
0: Are these both on Apple Arcade or?
1: Uh, Spaceland is for sure. I don't think that Ice Hockey League is. Okay. Oh, one more game. One more game that I have been playing is a game called uh, Titan Quest, which THQ dropped in 2006 and then inexplicably ported to the PlayStation 4 in 2018. Sure. Thanks to no one asking. Yeah. It's kind of like Diablo, but like set in ancient Rome, I believe. Oh, that's fun. Or no, I'm sorry, not ancient Rome, ancient Greece. Uh, And and apparently you also head to uh, like Scandinavia and also China at some point to stop the Titans from breaking out of uh, hell. Oh. So... Um, it's fun. It, it's, it seems like it really wants to be like, uh, like a borderlands kind of like we have so many weapons, yeah but it, it just ends up being like the same weapon, like reskinned and like the stats aren't any better. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's very old, uh, I think is what, what it comes down to. So, but I mean, it's, it's fun to play. So, okay. Um, how about you, Dan? What have you been playing?
0: Well, I've been playing a slew of games recently. I finally got Trigger Witch, which I'm enjoying a lot.
1: When you say finally got Trigger Witch, was that like a thing that you've talked about getting for a while?
0: To you privately, yes, because uh, as soon as I saw the trailer for it, I think I sent you, in all caps, IT'S ZELDA WITH A GUN!
1: Oh, that's... yeah, 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 I remember that now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fucking yeah. Zelda with a gun.
0: Uh, nice. You play as... A witch who works for a, basically a gun-based religious <laughs> group. Like the first thing that you have to do is like, a gauntlet-type thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: to show that you're worthy of wielding a gun. Which, <laughs> if only that's how real life worked. But your mother is like the head of this ministry group and sends you out on missions as the as a as a, a member of the Clip.
1: Oh my god,
0: <laughs> dude. <laughs> It's it's such a silly premise, but it plays like like an older Legend of Zelda game, like a, an SNES mm-hmm. era or NES era Zelda game. But it's kind of combined with a bullet hell type shooter. OK, so you go into dungeons and you're unlocking puzzles and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like Enter the Dungeon type controls mm-hmm. where you're like moving and shooting in different directions. It's really fucking fun. I like that a lot. I'm not super far into it yet, so I can't do whatever, but I've done my first, like, dungeon boss fight, and you it's so weird how it, it perfectly melds those two worlds, but I've also been playing, uh, Slay the Spire. Oh, With, yeah. What's up, Lex? Yeah. <laughs> because Slay the Spire is one of PlayStation's free games this month, and yeah. man, I wish I had started this sooner. It's so much fun. <laughs> I'm pretty trash at it, but...
1: As, as is Lex, if you've seen him stream it.
0: Well... Choosing cards is so much more difficult than I expected it to be. And then like I I got through the whole branch and then got to the boss and got decimated. Oh yeah. Like that's been the what's happened almost every time. Yep. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad I got it. Uh I'm glad it's free, but I probably would have paid money for this now knowing how much fun it is. So I'll uh I'll continue with that as well and update <laughs> the progress, I suppose. If I ever <laughs> beat a boss, I'm going to be so elated. And then Little Nightmares 2 was on sale, is on sale with the spring sale right now. And so I picked that up and beat it and fuck.
1: <laughs> I have that game in my library and just, I, I don't think I've even downloaded it yet, but it's on my list. I
0: don't know what to make of it yet and I've beaten it.
1: That's good. That's a ringing endorsement for that game.
0: Yeah. It's like the first one in that the story you have to kind of interpret on your own because uh, there's God no dialogue it. or anything like that
1: love that
0: yeah famous it,
1: famously love that on this show
0: yeah it's a <laughs> prequel to the original which you know that could have been part of our quiz last time but I I actually <laughs> wasn't aware of that there's like a they added a whole cooperative aspect to it mm-hmm. where you're kind of dragging around the character from the first game to help solve puzzles that are like that require two people it's it's it is a lot of fun it's much more sophisticated than the first one in terms of like puzzle variety and and different stuff like that and their design is so cool henry Selick, who was the production designer for nightmare before christmas and james and the giant peach and then went on to found uh leica studios is going to be adapting this into a, a stop motion tv show so i'm very curious how that's going to go huh but yeah it's it's fun just fucking weird so I've been playing those and, and also next episode's game, which is going to be a bit of a huge undertaking. But we can't get there until we talk about this episode's game. So let's let's jump right into it. And we will start, as we always start, with our short change history. This week's episode is The Last Campfire, which is a 2020 puzzle game developed and released by Surrey UK-based Hello Games. The Last Campfire is referred to as a Hello Games short much like an animation studio has feature length and short films. Hello! is best known for the Joe Danger series and 2016's No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky was a hugely hyped indie game that ended up with an initially poor user rating due to supposed lack of content at launch, despite an undeniably massive player environment spanning a near galaxies worth of explorable areas. Learning from their mistake, Sean Murray, founder of Hello! Games, has been quoted to say for future releases, Hello will keep development information closer to the chest, keeping quiet about specific details until they are ready to present them. The Last Campfire is currently available for iOS, Steam, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch.
1: What a perfect game for the Switch. Kind of, yeah. But,
0: Shay, could you tell us a little bit about what this game
1: actually is? I would love to, Dan. In The Last Campfire, you play as a little oven mitt named Ember. <laughs> accurate who appears to die at the beginning of the game and then must awaken a whole collection of similarly of characters called the forlorn uh restoring their hope in in like a a puzzle solving style and talking with ghosts to open doors yeah i just want to brag real quick before we get any further in uh, I 100%ed this game. Hell yeah. Which is not, I mean, it's not super difficult to do, but like, I think it may be the first game that I've, A, completed before we recorded, and B, 100%ed. Like Platinum podcast. Trophy? Yep. Hell yeah. I didn't yeah. even do that. It's not hard. Most of the, most of the trophies are, uh, story based, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually, I think all of them are.
0: <laughs> oh, then maybe I did put. Plat- uh, I mean, you, you probably did. The yeah. additional puzzles didn't have trophies attached to them?
1: Oh. no. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, whatever. I'm proud of you either way. <laughs> so I can't decide if you were dead or not either, because the whole thing does feel like one of those death and acceptance allegories that are kind of prevalent in video games
1: recently. Especially indie releases. Yeah,
0: because I played a couple games with that main theme.
1: I think indie developers are uh starting to really feel it (laughs) right as all of them are bought up by sony and microsoft
0: that's true it's death and acceptance of the companies that they once worked for (laughs) but
1: yeah it's it's interesting
0: this has um slightly more story than we're used to in some of these type of titles like at this price point and fairly coherent as well which was a nice change of pace for sure um (laughs) It's, I mean, it it doesn't tell you everything that it's about, even over the course of it. Some you do have to kind of extrapolate on your own, but Mm -hmm. not in an unpleasant way. Like, it's not, it's not like, what the fuck am I even doing? It's, okay, I think I get where they're going with this. Yeah. And yeah, just as much as it is a game about death, it's, it's so charming. I, I mean, like you said, this is one of the only ones that you've completed. What, what's your overall take on the story itself.
1: It was very nice to be covering such an unpleasant subject matter in such a positive way. Yeah. Because while the game does focus on like death and acceptance, it's very much about like l- like the embers that you bring back to the forlorn are literally hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like It's, it's not so much about like, this is the end and we have to accept that. It's more about like this, what is the next step that we're going to be taking here? Yes. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, we're talking about death, but it's, but it's in a very like optimistic tone, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I did, I, man, this game was like so charming. I mean, I'm absolutely for sure going to be talking about corners later on in this episode. I'm sure. It was it was so like cutesy and, and so nice to be a part of that journey, you know?
0: Yeah. It kind of accomplishes the goal. Like it does kind of make you feel hopeful. Mm-hmm. With the narration, which is awesome. I mm-hmm. loved the narration. Absolutely. In this. Yeah. The actress that did all the narration knocked it out of the fucking park. Her name is Rachel August. She's a british scandinavian actress she was born in scandinavia so that's where that like little twinge of accent came from oh yeah for sure she had such a pleasant tone Mm -hmm. that's very relaxing like even even in things that are because there's not like a ton of conflict in this game Mm -hmm. but even in times of conflict like with the forest king and stuff like that it's still soothing in Mm -hmm. in a strange way yeah absolutely killed it she did so great like, that's one of the highlights of this whole experience for me, really.
1: Absolutely, f- for sure.
0: But the puzzles themselves are actually fun. So this game is presented in two different ways throughout the course of it. There's kind of like overworld puzzles that you're solving to get to these hopeless oven mitts. And then <laughs> once you talk to them, you kind of go into a separate area, like a a mental space, space almost. Yeah. yeah and solve puzzles there to unlock their souls and their hopes and, their, and everything like that to, to bring them kind of back to life from like a statue almost. It's weird because this is the second game that I think heavily pulls from Breath of the Wild that we've covered, just in mm. kind of a micro version. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll defend that. Okay. Because with Breath of the Wild, it's the overworld and all the things that you have to do in that overworld and then you go into these miniature temples that are similar to how you would in, in a classic Zelda but you're focusing on a singular puzzle. That's yeah, and you're no, scattered that's all fair. over the place. Yeah. Plus when you get different like when you get the the horn, I forget what it's called now, that allows you to control things in the environment. Yeah. Like it's it's a micro version of how Breath of the Wild plays out. Yeah. Like where you get this specific tool and then that helps you manipulate these puzzles.
1: Is it is it called a, the Lanthorn? Is that what yes. it's called? Yeah, I
0: believe so. It's kind of the only tool that you get that affects how you solve the puzzles, but definitely like a uh, a huge shift in, in how the puzzles are solved from that point on. Mm-hmm. And it's like right at the midway point, which is good. Character design I thought was incredible. Every character is a delight, even the giant pig, <laughs> like once you get to a certain point with his progression the design of the forest king blew me away i was so impressed Mm -hmm. with how they they presented him yeah it is a short game overall like i think i said it was about six hours give or take is that yeah roughly how long
1: i finished uh in seven and a half hours because i became obsessed with hunting down those journal pages
0: yeah uh, that's (laughs) Actually, that's probably why I didn't 100% it, if I didn't
1: 100% it. Well, wildly, collecting all of the journal pages does not get you a trophy. What? Yeah. Why? How? <laughs> I think it's I think it's because you're supposed to be, able, like, those are kind of, I, I mean, you have to work to get to them, but they're not exactly well hidden most yeah. of the time, so I, I don't okay. think that the developers expected that to be a challenge for players, so...
0: Um, I mean, some are pretty well hidden.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's obviously exceptions to that, but most of them are on the progression of the story, if a little out of your way.
0: Yeah, the, the sliding puzzle thing, where it actually changes the environment in that first area, second area. Or oh, with the map? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the only one where you have to, like, really consider what the environment looks like to get to all those uh, journal pages. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it, it is kind of like, just go around this thing, make sure you're checking every corner. Right. And they're they're relatively easy to find. Yeah. That being said, I really like the story that plays out in that, although I didn't complete it. Yeah. Gosh, this game is, this game's good.
1: It is. It is. It's really, it's, I mean, it's really good. And, and I don't know, it just did a great job of handling such like a heavy subject matter and like not only putting a positive spin on it, but really like expressing that that positivity as well you know what i mean yeah
0: and it doesn't beat you over the head with it and right with some games of this ilk it will kind of force that idea down your throat yeah and this didn't do that at all like it's it just kind of holds your hand it's it's really good yeah are there any other gameplay aspects that you want to talk about i mean i know you're we got <laughs> corner corner coming up it's um, here
1: it's here we're in it dan corner corner let's do it it's she- welcome to Shay's corner. Corner. There are several sections of this game where you have to fucking step around a stone or go up an incline, and somehow, even though you're in that direction, you are inexplicably stuck on an invisible hook that's next to the thing that you're trying to do. So yeah, uh, a game from 2020 should not have corner issues. Not not to this degree. No. That uh, that being said, I it really didn't. I mean, a lot of the time. Getting hooked on a corner is like a game killer for me, but this was not that bad. I think because I liked the game a lot more, so (laughs) I was willing to put up with a few bad corners, but yeah, they're there, uh, and uh, that's all I'll say about it.
0: Yeah, it would be a lot more frustrating if there was any sort of combat aspect to this where you had to get around things.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Being that it is just, you know, taking things at your own pace, finding out where you're supposed to be, yep. there's not a whole lot of danger.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: it, it does become slightly more forgivable. Mm-hmm. If you were getting caught in a corner and that is what causes you to die Killed at some you. point. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, like in stories.
1: Oh my God, yeah. stories was fucking awful about corner. I think that may have been the origin of Shay's Corner it, Corner. 100% was. Um, <laughs> that game was so, fucking terrible.
0: <laughs> uh, for that about about quarters yeah that part of it yeah Yeah. i definitely experienced the same thing but i you're right i don't think it was like an unforgivable amount
1: yeah yeah you're right combat combat would have absolutely made that more of a big deal but uh because you're not like fighting anything it wasn't it wasn't that bad
0: yeah i think i only died in that jumping tile puzzle thing the
1: frog frogs and frogs and turtles puzzle yeah yeah yeah
0: Let's let's start to get uh, analytical about this. Do you have some pros and cons for us?
1: Yes. You mentioned the voice acting, Dan. The overall sound soundscape of this game was incredible. The music was fantastic. Just like the incidental noise that is going on around you was really good. And it was very like simple. Like the soundtrack is I mean, it's there, but it's very subtle. And, you know, when it shifts kind of fades in and and fades back or fades out and then fades back in as you get from area to area. It's it's just so reflective of the game. Like, it, it does such a good job of expressing the same kind of ideas that the game's story is about. Yeah. Through the music and the atmosphere, and, and you know, like you said, the voice acting is top-notch. So sounds the soundscape for me uh, is a huge pro for this game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I only really have one con, for this game, okay, and I just kind of want to get it out of the way. Backtracking is a major pain in the dick. They almost didn't program it to allow for it. At one point, you there, there's like a barrel puzzle thing where it's you, like you, you push the barrels out of the way in order to create a path, kind of thing.
1: Uh-huh. If you go
0: back to that area, there's a bird that's supposed to be sitting on a barrel, and it's just floating in midair. Like it's <laughs> it's little incidental things like that that they just didn't plan for. Sure. It's it's maybe too harsh to to call it a, a con, but it's just little things they didn't think about yeah. as much. At, yeah. But because it's it's a smaller scale game for this studio, it's a forgivable con. It's just yeah. you know it's not perfectly polished in that way. Yeah. Because uh, I did in in the area with the pigs and all that, I did try to backtrack to get all the journal pages, and that's the kind of thing I was experiencing. Yeah. It's also just hard to get back to those areas in general, like, after you've you've completed them.
1: Yes, yeah, that's true.
0: Because of the elevator systems and things like that. Yeah. But it's overall fine. It's not yeah. the biggest deal in the world, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I-, I was so in love with the character design. That turtle is incredible.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: The conversations with him also mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. just a delight. I am notoriously not a fan of robots, but the builder bot Great. broke my heart he was amazing yeah. just such a fucking sweetheart i loved him yeah no it's there's just so many things that i just lit up over like over the course of this so i don't know all that's a big pro <laughs> i just i don't know for such a bite-sized experience like the, the amount of time i put into this is roughly the same amount of time as little nightmares and i just got so much more out of this experience i feel Sure. And again, it doesn't beat you over the head with the premise. It doesn't like you get out of it what you put into it or the amount of time that you put into it, like thought wise and stuff like that. And I like that so much more than confront your ideas on death (laughs) and whatever. Right. This is what our purpose is like. No, just let me experience it how I'm going to experience it and just let it be enjoyable.
1: You know what I think was was really great about this game in its handling of death is that like it does acknowledge that like death is a very scary thing. Like um the the red oven mitt, you know, yes. like the, that character has kind of the the traditional reservations about death and, and what death means and and it kind of represents the 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 fear of dying a little bit. You know what? I do have a con and I'll circle back around to it in a second because like talking about this did kind of refresh my memory on it. But um, the dialogue options that you have with the the red oven mitt at the end, I'm I'm calling them oven mitts. I think the characters are are all called embers as well.
0: Yeah, they're like little potato sack people. It's yeah. Like little hooded whatevers.
1: Yeah. But like the dialogue options that you have at the end with the with the little red dude are, I mean, like you said, they don't they don't bash you over the head with like, hey, this is a good thing and and it's an exciting step. It's like, yeah, we we acknowledge that that's that's how people feel about death, but it's uh, in this universe at least, it's a grand adventure. It's really. I mean you're here and if you don't move forward you're stuck forever. So It's
0: the death is part of life thing and like Yeah. it's I I would have no reservations of having a child play this. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like Yeah. there are certain games where confronting death is like a finality sort of thing that I don't know I would present to a child. This I think does it in such a gentle, relaxed way that this could be for any age, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let me talk about my con now. Yes. Uh, in the same vein as like how much I liked the dialogue options that you have at the end when you're comforting the red oven mitt, the end of the story felt a little bit rushed. I would agree with that. Or or I guess not rushed so much as like the payoff for it was not as satisfying as I was hoping because like the, the red oven mitt, Uh, you see kind of following you a lot throughout the game. Yeah. And then you just kind of have one scene with them and then the game's over. That was not satisfying for me. I I was hoping that there was going to be like, I don't know, the the impression that I get from the journal pages is that it is deeper than just this red oven mitt that you encounter at the end of the game. But I just felt like there needed to be more like the blue oven mitt knew the red oven mitt from before or something along those lines. It just like, like it felt like you got to the end and then they just kind of dropped the ball on rounding out the red who, oven mitt's Yeah, of character. who the,
0: the oven mitt actually was, who the red
1: yeah.
0: ember was. Yeah. And it was a little bit telegraphed. Like I sort of saw it coming and I don't, I don't want to give this part away because I do think it's a good reveal, whether you see it coming or not. The actions that the red ember is taking... I think is done in, in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given the whole arc of, of what that character is. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but you're right. They could have fleshed that out slightly more and specifically why they were taking those actions other than just kind of internal fear and a sense of protection and, and whatnot. But I mean, it's, I, I do agree. It's, it's, but I, I wouldn't say it's like the biggest con. It's just that, that, that is a, a point at which the story falls short just slightly
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i i i I, I don't i don't know that it's like a terrible thing i just wish that they had i don't know
0: every other part of this is so well fleshed out and right yeah this this is just the only one that's like and also this yeah i no i i agree with you
1: yeah
0: i don't know you ready to rate this
1: gather around the campfire dan Warm yourself before moving on. It's time for the rating system.
0: Ah, oh, that's very, that was very cozy. That was very, very cozy. I like
1: that. Right? I wanted to really channel the game's emotional state, I guess. <laughs> um. Does it work, Dan? Yes. I'm going to give
0: it a full point despite some corner issues, because that's more just navigating the overworld than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really affect you in the puzzles too much, like the core.
1: Not, not at all. Not at all the The corners thing was specifically um, an overworld issue, and not even an issue, I would say.
0: Yeah. So that's that's going to be a full point for me. I have I have no real complaints about puzzle design or or your ability to navigate it.
1: Yeah. I I you know, um occasionally the puzzles that have like those snakes. Yeah. Um, occasionally they would carry a little bit too far, but like, I mean that's not a game breaker for me and it didn't happen frequently enough for me to be irritated with it. You know,
0: just drew it out more than necessary at times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You just had to make one extra move. And like, if you're not doing that sometimes at a puzzle game, I, I feel like that's kind of built in at this point. So I don't, I don't think it takes any, any points away. So I agree with you. Full point there. Is it engaging? Very much so. Holy fuck. Is it engaging?
0: Yeah. <laughs> i think that's, that's for the most part what we've covered so far so yeah i resounding point yeah that that 100 yep. gets a point. yep
1: yep 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 yep
0: does it look good dan i love everything about the way this looks i love the character design i love the environmental design i love the design of just the little things in the puzzles like little mm-hmm. details that they made on that i love everything about this yeah 100 yes yeah. gets a point
1: you know what's funny to me, Dan? And and I was just kind of thinking about it when you brought up we were talking about corners. Uh but like stories
0: it yeah. kind of kind of looks very similar to this game. It's that like slightly cell shaded kind of look, like no real hard edges on yeah. a lot of things, unless yeah. it's a cube. Unless it's shaped fucking corner. <laughs> or if it's a corner. <laughs> yeah, everything's kind of cartoony and rounded, but not in a childish sort
1: of way yeah
0: yeah i i can't say enough positives about this design
1: well i mean that being said i think i took points away from from stories for how it looked but i don't i'm not gonna do that here no and i I, and and i'm I'm not really sure why like i don't know what the line was for me for those two games
0: well because yeah because everything's done through a narration
1: oh fuck this is more similar to that than i thought at first Right. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's not as divergent as stories was, but yeah, otherwise it's the, the two games are very similar.
0: I think this is presented more smoothly is the biggest mm-hmm. difference. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, But yeah. So you're a full <laughs> point on that as well, though.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. OK, OK. Is there replayability?
0: Inherently, no. Right. Once you do everything, you're you're pretty much done. And I do like that they have some additional puzzles to to go through once yeah. you've finished, that are just yeah. inconsequential. Other than to just experience it again, no, I don't think there's replayability. There's no payoff for replayability other than to just be kind of warmed by the glow of, of the whole experience. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think that's enough. To, I don't know. I'm going to go half, because I could see playing this again just for the joy the of it. feel good. Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't get anything new out of it, I mean I can go back and get all the the journal pages to to complete that story just for my own headcanon but like that's about it.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, I'm not going to give it a point here. And you know, I like I don't have any issue with you not giving it a point there. Like that makes sense also or you giving it a No, half no, no, point talk me out of it sorry. if you feel. No, I I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I I I, I mean, you know, I talked about it earlier, like all of the journal pages, which are essentially the only collectible or real reason to replay the game aside from the feel good aspect of it. Like most of them are pretty, if they're not like on your way, they're pretty intuitive in collecting them. So like there is a very real, for example, like I, I, I mean, you know, I became obsessed with finding the journal pages at, at, at a certain point, but like it wasn't, it didn't add a whole lot of extra time onto my, my game. So it's very possible that you come away from your first playthrough having finished everything already. But yeah, I mean, it, it's such a, like a charming, like, like you said, feel good game. Like, I, I mean, if you want to replay it for that, go for it, but I, I'm, I'm not going to give it a point there. I've explained it already.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, is there a story? yes there is full point um fuck
1: yes there is yeah i
0: mean it's it's puzzle and story that's the whole that's the whole thing
1: yep and finally dan is it worth the cost
0: so this retails at 15 dollars 14.99 pretty much on every platform that it's available on it's actually currently on sale until the 21st so by the time you listen to this episode if you're listening to it the week it drops on steam it is only 750 um but basing it off the the 14.99 price tag this is strictly based on length. Um, yeah, I am gonna say four points. Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's exactly where I am at too. Um, yeah, just for just for length, I I wish it was a little bit longer for fifteen dollars. Yep, one
0: more environment would have put it at a five, but mm-hmm. just because you know a six hour experience for fifteen dollars still is not anything to sneeze at six to right. eight. Uh, yeah, no, I I am a solid four here.
1: Yep. Yeah that's that's where i'm at also so
0: this was one of our least contentious right thing as well
1: i feel like we had very similar experiences very similar thoughts and uh, ultimately very similar scores on this game so
0: yep. we're sitting at 8.5 points from me eight points from shay so this is a game that we absolutely recommend it took me by surprise how much i enjoyed this with indie games It really could go either way, and especially with this type of subject matter. There's a game called Rhyme that deals with the five stages of grief and stuff like that. But I think we
1: talked about it when we did our uh, Grease episode as well. Yeah, And
0: I think this more falls in the category of Grease, where you're going to get the story that you want out of it. You can just treat it as a puzzle platformer or a puzzle game in this case with this kind of overarching message, but it's not... Again, it's not jamming the the idea down your throat like Rhyme does. Yeah. And man, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Before we get to our game today, we have some emails about our last episode, which I asked for it. I literally put it out there. If you disagree, <laughs> come at us, bro. So um, we yeah, have two different emails was, today.
1: This was apparently a hot button issue.
0: And I knew it was going to be. Uh, This is such a... Shadow of the Colossus is such a highly regarded game. I knew we were going to get pushback. But let's read these two emails and kind of get into a little bit of a possible revision discussion. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But um, do you want to read the first one?
1: Okay, this first email comes to us from Russell, friend of the show, a guest in our Arkham Asylum uh, episode. Russell says... As you both know, I absolutely love this podcast. I love your perspectives, opinions, and especially your dynamic. The two of you having a real thoughtful discussion surrounding the aesthetics and functions of games is fantastic and helps give me insight into what I should check out. All of that said, I want to share my thoughts on how I feel Shadow of the Colossus got a little bit of the short end of the stick when it came to a full picture of what the game is. To be clear, these are opinions and subjective, so you know, grain of salt and all that. I'm obviously no expert and I never even played the original version of this game. I fully agree that this game functions in such a different and weird way that is not easy to get accustomed to. Personally, I find that this game does an amazing job of making the player feel out of place in a world and landscape that is just much too large and difficult for them to navigate. This character is not a superhero or expert gunslinger or a keyblade wielder, so they lack that larger-than-life ability to just tackle anything effortlessly. Even the Wanderer's horse, Agro, is just too big and clunky for such a small human, so it's always difficult to navigate and try to get your horse to cooperate. As you said, this does, however, make collectibles slash upgrades almost too tedious and annoying to even worry about. I'm gonna just some commentary there. Not sometimes... Uh, always. <laughs> Russell goes on to say, I will, however, echo your point on the camera. It seems quite silly to me when arriving in different areas that the camera will zoom or pan, then it will immediately shift into a cutscene scene where the aspect ratio changes and it's a very similar cinematic shot. It would make much more sense to just use the cutscene and give a cinematic overview of the area upon arrival or when the event happens, if that is really what's important. The way they do it instead certainly detracts from functional gameplay. This does lead me to my final point, though. This game commits fully to their vision and their way of conquering this world, which adds to that feeling of being out of place and overwhelmed, which this character certainly would be when facing such daunting tasks as all of these Colossi. The visuals of this game, and especially some of the subsequent Colossi designs, are such a focus that if you don't care about the artistry of the game, you're going to lose the point and have a bad experience. So in that sense, I would agree that if you are somebody that is entirely focused on the functionality, you probably should avoid this game. I just believe in the art and the experience of it.
0: Opening thoughts. Well, I think the artistry is the one thing we didn't really pass over. I think that's the thing that we heap the most praise on was design of characters and things like that. And being that this was made as an art game, that's fine. But it has to kind of work as well, and like part of that's on us. I I don't know that we gave it its due diligence the entire time. Uh, apparently, we could have changed the controls, um, which would have made our experience a little bit better. But it doesn't.
1: I disagree with that, Dan. I don't think that the shortcomings of this game were simply control based, and I don't know that changing the control scheme would have salvaged this game for me. I understand the idea that you're supposed to be this this tiny person in this massive world and the horse is too big and the colossi are too big that being said all you need to do for the first few colossi are fucking climb them like yeah it's it's not that hard and the fact that the controls just didn't work was what what made it difficult not the actual task itself yeah yeah And
0: I think, I think that's, I I agree. It's weird because, I mean, obviously I was conflicted during the episode because I do remember liking this game more. And it may just have been my patience at the time. This is a game that's stressful for the wrong reasons, I think. Because you're right. The challenges aren't the most difficult thing to overcome. It's that they intentionally put you on the back foot to make it more difficult than necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. Artistry aside, if you're posing a challenge to your player by just making things awkward or making things the the perceived overwhelming nature of what the character is going through and doing that in a way that is unpleasant to experience,
1: I, I guess, yeah. I appreciate uh, the email, of course. I would definitely say that if you'll check the tape, The scale of the Colossi was something that I specifically mentioned being a pro for this game. The fact that it makes you feel small in the world is something that I specifically mentioned. I don't agree that I missed the point by focusing on the control issues. I acknowledge what the game is. I think that the control scheme made it insufferable, and I don't think changing the buttons would save that.
0: The the whole point here is that art is subjective, right? Regardless of what Roger Ebert said once and then (laughs) doubled down on, video games are art. It's an art form. You can tell a story in an interactive way that you wouldn't have been able to with film, which Mm -hmm. was his, his he disagreed with. The point, though, is with any form of art, you get out of it what you get out of it. And part of that has to do with the intention of the artist. Like, if it's presented in a way that isn't totally clear, and it does leave it up to the interpretation of the player, this kind of thing is gonna happen. I'm sure that there's a lot of games that we felt very differently about than other players. And we're gonna get into that in a little bit, but um, I wanna jump into to our other email. This is from uh, my friend Tim. He streams under the name FERK03, that's F-E-R-K-O-3. And we had a conversation the other night in person and I asked them to, to jot some of this stuff down in, in an email. So, hey, Dan and Shay, these are just a collection of, of different notes. One, power-up items were in the game. They were fairly plentiful and reward you for exploring off the path of the light shining from the sword. Fruit gives permanent health upgrades and silver lizard tails give permanent uh, stamina upgrades. And that's, that's on us to an extent. Being that your only objective is get to the Colossus and there is this massive like, fairly massive world to explore when they don't give you enough direction. Because at no point during the game do they tell you that this is what you're supposed to do. Like, everything is shine your light, go to the place.
1: Dan, I I do want to stop you there because I don't even think it needs to be that deep. I disagree wholeheartedly that any point in this game rewards exploration because exploration is such an abysmal experience in this game. I don't care to explore off the beaten path because it takes so fucking long to get back to that path after I've gotten off of it that it's it's an untenable situation.
0: Uh, yeah, I could see that as well. Like, just sort of roaming around without the game telling you this is a reason to do this. Like, here's here's what I would have done differently. Put one of each upgrade somewhere in your direct path. Yeah. Even if it's a colossi or two in like show the player that this is something that's available
1: yeah and
0: that's going to give you like leave a breadcrumb or two and be like these are out there you just have to find them
1: yeah
0: if you don't even address it at any point in a linear path not that this is fully linear it's hard to say that it's a rewarding experience then to explore i agree kind of with both points but next up number two New Game Plus is a thing. Normal upgrades carry over rules and unlock the abilities to do time trials. That's awesome. I'm sure as shit not doing time trials in this game.
1: Right? <laughs> no thanks.
0: Love you, Timmy, but no. And his last point. I disagreed with comparing the game primarily to action-adventure games when I believe that it is a puzzle platformer and that the controls given to you in the game reflect the need to solve each puzzle with the tool set provided. I just felt from the standpoint the uh, the game works exactly as intended however exactly as intended doesn't equal entertainment or fun for someone so mileage may vary on that and that's a very good point i think because the control scheme and the way it's presented it feels like an action-adventure game but at the heart of it it is more of a puzzle platformer that's a Uh, totally fair point i think
1: i don't i don't know that it fits into either of those categories very well
0: it it kind of draws the line between the two but That last point is exactly kind of where we were sitting, where... Yeah. Yeah. If you don't find it fun, which is, for me, a major criteria in any game I play, not even for the podcast, just generally speaking, I may not put as much into it. And I, at times, did not find this as fun as I wanted it to.
1: Mm -hmm. Both of us went into this, like, wanting to have a great experience with it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, you know, I, I, uh, I think you probably more so than I uh maybe had kind of like an idea of the reverence that that apparently exists for this game for sure and like it's not like I wanted <laughs> I I don't
0: know rarely on this podcast have we ever chosen games that we know we're gonna hate um we've done it we're not gonna <laughs> say we haven't because we do <laughs> have to have the good with the bad but like There are games where we thought we were going to love them and hated them. There were games we thought we were going to hate and love them. We can only go by a player experience. And that's going to take us, Shay, (laughs) into this next thing. Uh, But yeah, uh, do you want to play a game by any chance?
1: Dan, drag the most punny objects out of my body while I scream at you if you touch the sides of the hole. I would love to play a game. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That is, of course, Operation.
0: Well, during today's shortchange history, I mentioned that the user response for No Man's Sky was, generally speaking, poor. The average user score for the PC version of No Man's Sky currently sits at 3.6 out of 10 on Metacritic. However, the average critic score for the game, for the same version, sits around 61 out of 100. I don't know why Metacritic does that that way. It's a 10-point scale for users, a 100-point scale for, for professional quote-unquote critics, but whatever. Scores were slightly higher for the PS4 version, 4.8 and 71, per- uh, respectively. Although it would be a bit of a stretch to refer to ourselves as journalists, based on our <laughs> emails today, we experienced the same kind of critical gap in our last episode, but in reverse. Obviously, the player and journalistic experience can be drastically different. Do not in small part to what each is looking for. Our focus for the podcast obviously is cost to value ratio, but admittedly it's not a perfect system, and each reviewer has their own set of internal criteria for how they score a game. Someone playing casually doesn't worry about that. So that got me thinking. I did some research using a list of the top 100 highest rated games by both critics and player scores, compared the two, and this is gonna be our focus for today. I'm gonna give you a list of eight games, four from each list on Metacritic, for the highest 100 rated games. And each one of these has a significant gap in the average rating. You're gonna decide which game belongs to which list. The way this worked out, it's over a nine from either party and below an eight for either party. You would think with the top 100 games, there'd be a lot more overlap than there is, but that's kind of where we're at. So we're gonna do this in two rounds. I'm going to give you the list of eight. You're going to decide four and four. I'm going to tell you how many you have correct, and then you're going to have the opportunity to switch whichever ones you want. You get me? Yeah. Okay. So here is your list of eight games. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor.
1: Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Resident Evil 2, specifically for the Dreamcast. Grand Theft Auto 4. Little Big Planet, Afterburner Climax.
1: Hey, can we as, uh, as a species stop subtitling things Climax?
0: Yep. Crystar. And finally, Elden Ring. That's right. One of these bodies has already put Elden Ring in the top 100 games of all time.
1: Oh my God.
0: Based on rating.
1: <laughs> well, I mean. I think I talked about the circle jerk that happened after Elden Ring came out among the uh, game review community. So, I I feel pretty safe saying that that one is a uh, critic top 100. Okay. Uh so there's three games on this list that I've never heard of.
0: Yeah. I I know of I knew two of them. I know which ones you're talking which three you're talking about obviously. And Crystar is the only one I wasn't familiar with at all. Um, I'm happy to give you any information you want about what those games are, if you would like.
1: Can you tell me the developers for those three games? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, For clarity, it's Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, Afterburner Climax, and Crystar.
0: Yes. If you hadn't heard of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, it would have been... This might have been the end of the podcast. Right,
1: right, yeah, I'd have to quit.
0: (laughs) All right, the developer for diaries of a spaceport janitor is tiny build and sunday month sunday like ice cream afterburner climax is sega and crystar is fu rayu and gem drops okay i can also tell you like genres and shit like that could you yeah crystar is a action rpg afterburner climax is a flight sim like flight combat kind of thing
1: Christ what this is critics or players thought that a, a fucking flight sim was in the top 100 of games ever
0: yep just Oof. based on rating
1: this feels like a game that I'm gonna be very bad at Dan well,
0: that's why you get two shots at it
1: <laughs> uh spaceport janitor
0: that is classified as a virtual simulation career type game
1: okay um can you tell me a little bit about what you do in those three games like the two sentence summary
0: sure diaries of a spaceport janitor is an anti-adventure game about picking up trash in an alien bazaar play as a janitor and something i got it yep
1: i got that one yep (laughs) all
0: right Afterburner. That's that's all i need the classic arcade game Afterburner is has now returned for a new generation of gamers. After Burner Climax is a fast and frantic action putting you in the cockpit of the world's fastest fighter plane.
1: What year did Afterburner Climax come out?
0: That came out on 2010. Okay.
1: And then Crystar?
0: Crystar is uh, this is the summary. I'm gonna read it direct from the thing. For when okay. I weep, then I am strong. Battle through purgatory as Ray to help save her, his, uh, her sister in this action RPG. Switch freely between four playable characters and uncover each one of their paths to see the sorrow they have endured. Well, let's go through the ones you know. Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. Do you think that's critic or or player?
1: Uh, player. That one I think is a is a player. Okay. Resident Evil Two. I think. I'm going to pencil in player as well, but that one I am unsure about.
0: Okay. I just want to specify that is the Dreamcast version. Console-wise, it did kind of jump around a little bit.
1: Yeah. Grand Theft Auto 4, I would like to circle back on. Okay. Because I, I feel like that game may have gotten the Elden Ring circle jerk treatment, but I, I want to see what I have left. Sure. Afterburner feels like a critic choice for me. I just fucking hope that the video game community isn't like, oh, one of the top 100 games of all time is a flight sim from Sega. Uh,
0: a remastered, well, not remastered, a represented like old IP.
1: I still feel pretty confidently about Elden Ring being a critic choice because I feel like the general response was that it was a good game for players, but that it was not better than a soul like a, a Dark Souls like main title. Right. So I'm I'm going to lock that one as a critic choice. Okay. Man, Crystar is really fucking throwing me off because I cannot imagine an action RPG released in 2019 being a player top 100. But like, what did it do differently that critics were slobbing that knob? You know? <sighs> I guess we'll circle around to that one too. Uh, Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, can you real quick tell me what year that came out?
0: Mm-hmm. That was... 2016
1: oh my god um i'm gonna say that one's a critic also okay all right little big planet is 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 the one that's i think maybe throwing me the most because i feel like that was a generally beloved game by everyone but usually that means that it's players and not critics but
0: i don't know that is the second biggest score gap
1: all right, here's what I'm gonna, I'm going to put Grand Theft as a critic choice and then Little Big Planet and Crystar as player.
0: Okay. All right, so you currently have four correct. So, you have to determine which two on each list is incorrectly placed. Or, if you don't want to gamble, you could say keep it as it is, take your four
1: points. I feel like <laughs> I feel like if I switch any now, it's only going to be worse. Which which one are you are you least sure about? Uh Spaceport Janitor and Crystar.
0: Okay. Do you want to switch those two or do you want to keep it as it is?
1: I just I just don't understand what a an action RPG could bring to the table in 2019 that anybody would think that this is one of the top 100 games of all time. Also, what the fuck does the the name Crystar have to do with the game? It's,
0: you know, <laughs> fun fun japanese stuff
1: all right i'm hmm, i'm gonna switch spaceport janitor and crystar okay let me look at my list and see if there's any more is elden ring a top 100 game of all time for players no i think i think i'm gonna leave everything else as is
0: okay so we're just switching crystar and
1: spaceport janitor yeah
0: well i have good news and bad news (laughs) okay uh you are still at four points
1: (laughs) right
0: (laughs) so no harm no foul uh so going down the list we're gonna do the the critical responses first okay starting at the top tony hawk pro skater 2
1: fuck off fuck off 90 i don't believe that i don't believe that for a second
0: 98 percent from critics yeah and players 74
1: (laughs) bullshit like if we're if we're doing it one to one did they ask your grandfather? Like, that's bullshit. <laughs> I've never met a single person who didn't like Pro Skater 2.
0: Yep. Metacritic, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but it does kind of pull from every everything as much as yeah. possible. So, yeah. So, pretty significant gap there. Next was Grand Theft Auto 4, which got a 98 as well from critics. Uh, and that's 7.8 and 7.9 for the different console editions.
1: Grand Theft Auto 4 got a
0: 98% from critics. Yep. Jesus Christ. But you did earn a point with that one. <laughs> Next up was Little Big Planet. That was a critic one, huh? How about that? Yep. I did say I was going to do this from top to bottom and I didn't, but it's fine. Uh Little Big Planet was <laughs> 95 from critics, 6.8 from players. Wow. Yep. Elden Ring then was your final one, which you did get a point for, 96% from critics. 7.9 and 7.5 for the different editions from players
1: yeah i felt very confident about that one yeah
0: i mean we had talked <laughs> off mic about this a couple times like how much the critic response was like overwhelmingly positive so right. I, I did put that in as a, as a bit of a gimme for you uh i'm gonna go bottom yeah. to top on this one for real though so resident evil 2 for the dreamcast got a 9.2 from players and a 77 from critics. Okay. Next up would be Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. That was 9.2 from players, 69% from critics. Crystar, 9.6 from players, 67% from critics. And the top one on this list, not the top overall. Afterburner Climax, 9.7 from players, 70 get the fuck out of here. 72 from critics
1: get the fuck out of here
0: so you're right with both uh resident evil and dyers of a spaceport janitor so just for clarity sake...
1: real quick real <laughs> quick this is a message from me shay to the gaming community what the fuck are you thinking a flight sim in the top 100
0: games all time? So this is just going to be for funsies? That's the number three ever.
1: F? Oh, poor. from
0: From player scores. And this is Metacritic. Stop it's it. just Metacritic. You're... I understand. The point of this whole exercise, which congratulations on the four points added to the big board, is mm-hmm. that, yeah, different people take different things from games. The, the top five games according to player scores i've played one of them
1: this doesn't sound good for me
0: (laughs) yeah because the one you'll never touch because it's a a first person physics puzzler so here here's five to one for players number five and 9.6 super liminal for xbox one
1: i've heard i've heard good things about that game
0: it's it's it just made me dizzy that's all number four grim grimoire from uh, which is a
1: oh, fuck t- fuck out of here 2007
0: PlayStation 2 game number 3 was Afterburner Climax number 2 ZHP Unlosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man for the PSP from 2010 and number 1 the 2011 DS exclusive title Ghost Trick Phantom Detective get the fuck out of here now let's compare that to the top five all-time for critics, which is Grand Theft Auto 4, the original Soul Caliber, Grand Theft Auto 4 for PlayStation 3. Like so that. Was, Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's Are you the, kidding the, the me? Grand Theft Auto
1: 4 is on there twice.
0: Yeah, for well both platforms. Tony, Eat my whole asshole. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is number two, and Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time is number one. Uh, all those scores aside from Ocarina are ninety-eights, Ocarina getting a ninety-nine. The other games on this list, number six is Super Mario Galaxy, uh seven is Super Mario Galaxy Two,
1: eight oh is Red God. Dead
0: Two, Nine is Grand Theft Auto 5, 10 is are Grand you, Theft Auto mm. 5. <laughs> critics critics
1: stop it. Four of the top ten are Grand Theft Auto. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean And then one of them one of them is fucking the worst Red Dead game. Get out of
0: here. Red Dead 2 is not. The worst? Red Dead Redemption 2? No way. Red Dead Revolver is worse.
1: No no no. I'm saying of the two that people know about. Uh <laughs> I would say that one was better than two. Okay.
0: That yeah. That's that's an argument. It's my could be stance.
1: Made. I'm not gonna die on that hill, but it's my stance and I'm not open to debate about it. Well
0: the user score for that was eight point one for what what that matters. It's ninety seven from critics 8.1 from players so not as much of a gap as some of the any of the ones that we talked about for the quiz but
1: yeah sure but um i will say if you don't think that uh studios are paying for good reviews just look at the fact that the five of the top 10 for critic reviews are rockstar games
0: yep so for what it's worth i will say shay and i don't (laughs) accept any money from any studios (laughs) So all <laughs> I'm sure as fuck won't be able to
1: after not this. after today. <laughs>
0: yep. Uh, my, like I said, my, my whole point here is that art is subjective and people are going to get out of what they get out of it. And I couldn't be more thrilled for both Russell and Tim that they love this game. But in my heart of hearts right now, as it stands, I, I'm comfortable with the score. We gave it. I'm not happy with it, but I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's going to more or less wrap us up for today. As always, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so at both Twitter and Instagram at BNG pod, where we post cheap codes, which is different sales that you should be aware of, and also custom artwork for each episode.
1: If you want to share the show, you can do so with our hosting site, which is anchor.fm bngpod pod.
0: And if you want to send us an email like both Timmy and Russell did today, you can do so at brokeandgamingpod at gmail.com. We love getting emails. We love getting feedback. We like having these discussions. And uh, if you want to watch Timmy stream, he goes by FERK03 on Twitch and a bunch of other platforms. That's F-E-R-K-O-3. Thank you very much, Tim, for uh, posting a a little flag for us for the podcast. It's much, much appreciated. Currently, Tim is streaming both Hollow Knight, which is one of our favorites from the show, and also um, Bioshock Infinite. So you can check those out right now. But hey Shay, what are we playing next time?
1: Next time, Dan. We'll be playing a not so little game called Call of Cthulhu.
0: Yep, it's gonna be a so, big one. Uh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy. Have you have you touched it yet? No. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting one. But until then, <laughs> goodbye, absolutely everyone.
1: Goodbye.